0: Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks.
1: On to week nine of the NFL season and emotions running high with the Seahawks, mostly positive emotions. After a very big week coming off the biggest win of the year, and now the Washington Redskins come to CenturyLink Field to open the month of November. Alongside Brian Perkins, I'm Jude Anubi. Uh, I mentioned this to you on uh, Monday's podcast, Perkins after the Seahawks beat the Texans 41-38 in what, in my opinion, has been the best game of the NFL this season in the entire league. That this is as good I've felt about the Seahawks is probably as good that the, the fan base has felt about this team to this point of the season and the second half of the year seems pretty promising not only after the win over the texans but then you of course get the trade of Dwayne brown to the seahawks on tuesday um we'll talk about that and what that means but just the overall shape of the team and the way that they're playing right now especially on offense passing the ball they're in a good way it's
0: exciting isn't it it's it's pretty cool to see you know this team kind of come around, and and you and I, you know, early in the year, not too happy with the way the offense was playing, but we did say give it time, and time time has uh, been on Seahawks' side so far because they're only improving, um, and there's still a lot of football left, so it's good to see.
1: I wanted to close uh, the loop a little bit on the Texans game from Sunday. One important part of the game that that I will always remember that I went back and listened to the pod on on Monday and didn't really bring up was. Bill O'Brien's decision on third and four, when the Texans had the ball for the last time, ultimately to run the ball up the middle to Lamar Miller instead of giving Deshaun Watson the opportunity to make the first down with his legs. Look, I was scared to death not only of Watson as a passer, but of Watson as a runner. Just the threat of watching Watson being able to run the football to me—that I mean, that that paralyzes a defense. It keeps you from staying aggressive and staying downhill. I really thought they were going to let Watson get outside the pocket and just run for it. I mean, he had already converted a third and 10 or a third and 11 with his legs prior to that. Like, that's what he does best. And instead, they just they called a run play. And it gave Seattle another opportunity to get the football back with no timeouts and ultimately it cost him the football game i did not understand for as good a game plan and ultimate execution as the texans had in that game i did not understand that play call from bill o'brien and it really that's why the c that gave the seahawks the opportunity to drive down the field and score because with a lot of time left with a lot of time left if they get that first down ball game coaches
0: like brain freeze when they realize that they just need a first down to win game, or they need to just like eat as much clock as possible and think that they need to go back to like the 1850s freaking style of football. Like it reminded me a little bit of the way the Packers played in the NFC championship game a couple years ago when Seattle had the amazing comeback and went to the Super Bowl. And it was just run play, run play, run play, run play. I know Aaron Rodgers was injured, but he was still playing well in that game. And he's the best quarterback in the world, arguably, at the time. Like, you're not going to give him an opportunity to, to seal that game? I, I don't get why coaches do that. It's I mean, as a fan, it must be so frustrating. And I thought, Judah, the game was over because I said, look, they are going to convert a first down. There's no way that the Texans don't convert a first down here with how they've been playing on offense and the game plan that they've put together. There's no way they don't get 10 yards. And that was the most surprising part of it all. The, the comeback and the score by the Seahawks was not more surprising than them not being able to get a first down to me.
1: I totally agree. And it, it was just important to lay that out as a as a key factor in the yeah. Seahawks victory. Because otherwise, this, that we'd be talking about Russell Wilson's interception on an otherwise career day. And how that might affect his legacy. How that might affect this year's team. You know, does the Dwayne... I mean, probably the Dwayne Brown trade still happens. But, you know, it, it just feels... A little bit less enthusiastic after you lose at home. I mean, that's how fragile that win was. Like we feel so high emotionally, and yet that's how fragile it came. We should be talking about that interception. Five and two looks a lot better than four and three. So Let's much put it better. that way. <laughs> so much better. Then Tuesday happens or Monday night. It this happens, you know, this is like one of the first trades before the deadline because I think it. I was actually taking a nap, and then I like, my Twitch started blowing up. I think you had texted me as well. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, they traded for Dwayne Brown. We knew this was in the air supply, but didn't really exactly know what that would look like. We knew that Dwayne Brown, you know, after his holdout could be made available by the Texans. We knew the Seahawks needed offensive line help, left tackle spot, particularly with Riso Diombo not playing very well. And we knew that Jeremy Lane would be the most expendable Seahawk at the deadline. We knew all those things were probable, but the actual deal making between the Texans and Seahawks see still seemed improbable. You were higher on Seattle's chances to make a deal before the deadline than I was, any kind of deal. And we brought up the Dwayne Brown acquisition possibility on Monday's podcast before it actually happened Monday night. But then it goes through, Jeremy Lane for Dwayne Brown um and a second round pick. You know that it was a win for the Seahawks. You know everybody riding high. And then of course we get the news that Jeremy Lane fails his physical with Houston. He comes back and for, um, you know expense back to the Texans. An additional third round pick is sent to Houston. So ultimately Seahawks get Dwayne Brown, which is awesome. But they don't have a second or third round pick in this year's draft anymore because they used a second round pick to get Sheldon Richardson already.
0: Yeah, and they don't have a second round pick next year. Yeah, because that's what this pick went. You know, it was 2019.
1: And when is the last time you could say that about the Seahawks? So, ultimately, it's a high price to play for Dwayne Brown, but he, you know, for short term, it could be that kind of payoff.
0: As deep as the draft was last year, the perception of depth, I feel like you're hearing a lot about, you know, that there isn't as much depth this year in the draft, and that's why you yeah, saw... Yeah, but who s- really knows at this point? Yeah, but but the, but it speaks to how many trades there were. That was like a historic level of trades at the deadline, and I think that shows how much faith teams have in this upcoming draft, that they're willing to sacrifice picks.
1: It's so funny, it, real quick, it's so funny that everybody is say, is saying how many trades there were, chaos at the deadline. And maybe it's the NBA fan in me or the MLB fan in me. How many trades were there? There were like five deals. Yeah, but that's a lot in the NFL. Yeah, but it's, like a not, lot. it's not a lot comparatively. That That's my point. It's like Everybody's like, oh, the NFL took a script out of the NBA's playbook. I was like, I could count you the the significant deals on one hand. William Brown, J.J., you know, Kelvin Benjamin. Jimmy Garoppolo, boom. That's what happened. And that that's an hour at the NBA deadline and the MLB deadline. I know. <laughs> but it, Everybody's like, oh, it's so chaotic. Like, we can't keep track of everything. I mean, <laughs> I'm embellishing, but it's like not much happened. It's just a lot for the NFL. Statements. It's a lot for the NFL,
0: though. Like, that is a lot. <laughs> like, if, if you're talking about a league that maybe one trade happens and it's like some backup corner that gets traded for like a sixth. Like, that's usually what happens at the trade deadline. You don't see. But I think what, what it also shows you, is that the league right now doesn't have a dominant team. And you have a lot of belief, there are a lot of teams right now that believe that they can win, right? That they can, that they have a chance to compete. And I think at this point, typically, you're at the halfway mark of the season. A lot of teams go, eh, well, four losses already, so I guess this season's over. Like the Patriots are good, but they're not dominant, right, this year. They, they don't look like they have the past few seasons. Aaron Rodgers goes down with injury, so that division is wide open, let alone the NFC. The Eagles look good, but they're young. There's just not like, you know, you look at what the Bills did, right? Making that trade at the deadline now last night was another story. But, you know, they're a team that has a good record. So there is so much parity right now in the NFL, at least at this point of the season, that you probably had a lot of teams going, wow, maybe we need to make a move and try to win now because we need to make hay while there's hay to be made. But, you know, that's a hefty price tag for the Seahawks. Um In the end, Judah, but it works out well for both teams. And I think that you have to sometimes compromise your future a little bit in order to win now. And the Seahawks have a chance this year to go to the Super Bowl. They have a chance to you know, be a Super Bowl contending team. And if you can get a top 10, top 15 tackle to help bolster that when your offensive line has been as bad as it is, I don't know why you wouldn't do that, even if it means sacrificing some picks.
1: Russell Wilson uh, is able to restructure – the uh, his deal with the Seahawks in order to bring Dwayne Brown on board, getting about six more million dollars up front this year on his yeah. contract as opposed to uh, prorating it out for the remainder of his deal in Seattle. I think that's a win for Russell Wilson. He gets left tackle help, protect the blind side, protect the O-line in general, and get six mil up front. It's a little six mil for the holidays, you know? You buy bad. some gifts
0: for the family, maybe
1: the offensive line if they're playing well enough. <laughs> maybe buy that new Ciara <laughs> album. Does she still make music? Like, I haven't seen anything from Ciara in forever. Maybe maybe you know have I don't know maybe. we'd have to do
0: some uh do some research I on know. that I, I I don't I'm not as, I don't as have the pulse of
1: that uh yeah. now future no I'm just kidding Oh hello oh, oh, oh. Dwayne Brown by the way <laughs> he's going to keep jersey number 76 Jermaine Fetti gave that up to him can you believe that class move by Jermaine Fetti Yeah he should have I think I think he should Dude's got the
0: number I know He hasn't earned that number
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right so Effetti, playing pretty well, except for the penalties. He's the most penalized player in football. Yeah. And he's average this year. He's one of the best Seahawks offenses. linemen He's looked much better this year than he did last
0: year, right? Progress. Yes, much more comfortable. Not getting burned by every stunt, just every other stunt. He's looking a lot <laughs> better. I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious. He's, he is. He's looking a lot better this year.
1: Now, as for Dwayne Brown, 32-year-old. He was an All-Pro in 2012. Who does that remind you? Pro Bowler in 2012. Left tackle, 76. Russell Okung. <laughs> I think he's pretty objectively better than Russell Okung has been since that time. One of the better linemen in football, for sure. I would agree. He's under contract through 2018. $5 million in salary for the rest of this year. $9.75 million due for 2018. Um, what can we expect from Dwayne Brown? It seemed like he came into the facility... He knew the concepts of the zone run blocking scheme player pretty well. Tom Cable and Pete Carroll were impressed. They called him a professional, diligent note-taker, veteran presence on a you on a young offensive line. How much, you know, quantitative improvement can we see out of this unit with with Dwayne Brown inserted in there, given that Sunday will be his first day with the team? Let me ask you this. How does this
0: lineup sound to you 4 weeks from now or going into the playoffs? Brown Jokel, Brit, Run left, baby. Posic. Posic. Have we figured it Posick. out yet? Posic. Posick. Effetti. It's fine. I mean, that's not bad. With the way that Posic has played, you know, and, and I know, once again, you can't get overwhelmed by a start and a half, essentially, but he has played well. I don't think he's played well enough to take the job from Jokel when he comes back, but, you know, if he's okay, you know, I mean, if you can shift him over to right guard. I mean, that's, look, that's not going to be a top five offensive line in the NFL, but that's middle of the pack, right? You have a really good left tackle. You have a good center. And then you have guys that are, you know, good enough at all the other positions. And that's what you need. You don't have to have an all-world offensive line in Seattle. You have enough weapons as it is. But you need to, I mean, Russell Wilson can't be pressured over 50% of his dropbacks. You know what I mean? That's the problem right now. And... This is an immediate upgrade, obviously, uh, not only in the the run game, but in the pass game as well.
1: I think it was needed, obviously, from how the offensive line had been playing already. It certainly raises their ceiling. But keep in mind the caliber of pass rushes they're going to see the rest of the way. They still got Vic Beasley and the Falcons on a Monday night, but that's at home a little bit easier to pass pro. Um, At the Niners, and the Niners can get after you on the defensive line. They got after Carson Wentz, even though they got blown out, but hit him around a little bit. You're home to Philly on a Sunday night, might be the best pass rush in football, including the Seahawks, maybe one two. Then you're at the best pass rush in football. The Jaguars lead the league in sacks. Um, versus the Rams. We know they can get after the quarterback. DeMarcus Lawrence of the Cowboys has ten and a half sacks this year. You Cardinals. have to play him Christmas Eve. And you have the Cardinals twice, which is historically a very good defensive line. No Calais Campbell this year, of course, but like that's still a good pass rush. So uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> this Washington game, this like they've been known to get after the quarterback, but Ryan Kerrigan might be their best pass rusher. That's the least talented pass rusher that they have the rest of the way to face. But everybody else is pretty challenging.
0: They are, which is it makes it a good thing that they upgraded Huge. their damn offensive line. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You, I mean, the pass rushers they face today, Green Bay doesn't have a great one. But Mike Daniels had a heyday. You know, Tennessee doesn't have a great one. They still found a way to get some pressure. Indianapolis certainly doesn't have a great one. Seahawks played well. That's the
0: problem, right, is, is mediocre or less-than-average pass rushes looked like all-world defenses against Seattle early yeah. in the season, and that was the problem. Once again, you don't have to have world beaters on the offensive line, and you're not going to with the money you have invested elsewhere, but you have to have a middle-of-the-road. I mean, if you want to have success, you, it, look what happens when Russell Wilson has time. I mean, just look what happens. Carves up. He, he just tears you apart, and that's why this trade, I mean, it's such a big deal. I mean, it turned into almost to an arms race. Like, Seattle makes that move, and then the Eagles trade for Ajayi, you know, t- trying to bolster up their offense a little bit. It just it feels a little bit like you have, you know, teams in the NFC right now going, man, this thing is wide open.
1: Well, the Eagles think their time is now, no doubt about it. Yeah,
0: and they should. And they There's, should. What are they, 6-1? 7-1? 7-1.
1: Best record in football. I mean, Carson Wentz leads the MVP discussion right now. And he should. And he should. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. Um, but... Getting Ajayi with that Eagle backfield now with Blunt, Clement, Smallwood, Ajayi. You yeah, have nine running backs back there. It's a decent crew. Um,
0: How would, okay,
1: let me ask you this.
0: Just looking at the Eagles, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of conversation about Philadelphia versus whatever team in the NFC you think will be competing, right? Who's their worst running back? Smallwood out of the guys that'll be playing?
1: Smallwood? Smallwood's been banged up. Yeah, lately. So he's been in and out. Worst. I mean, I am not calling anybody bad. No, of course, they, of course. All but the I guess on the depth wood. chart. Yeah, because I like Clement. I so like, do I. I like him. But do, and even Blunt. People are like, oh, Blunt, but disappointing. You know, Blunt leads the NFL in yards after contact. Like, I mean, jeez. Yeah, he packs a punch for sure.
0: Um, so the <laughs> the okay, so their fourth best running back. Would you take him on Seattle right now? I, I guess that's I, I, what I was getting at here.
1: Is I wouldn't take him as a number one back. No. Over over
0: uh Rawls or Lacey. So here's Would <laughs> Rawls or Lacey make the Eagles
1: roster right now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? No, they wouldn't. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying Rawls or Lacey are good. Because right now they're not playing like it. But you can't tell anything about these running backs, given the way the offensive line is blocking. Fair enough. You can tell whether a running back is good or not by whether or not he's hitting holes. You can't tell if there's no holes to hit. Yeah. These guys are getting hit in the backfield every time, and they're the ones that end up on their ass with the football. But I'm telling you, man, there's the O-line is horrible at run blocking right now. There's no way to really adequately tell where these guys are at.
0: Yeah. And the opportunity... Opportunities that have come up for like Rawls, you know, I think we all, we all go back to the screen pass, right? Where uh, a couple weeks ago, where he had an opportunity against the Giants to really, you know, what get another 20, 20 yards out of a play, I mean, and it was makes the wrong cut. Yeah, you know, he drops the ball in the end zone. Not the best throw last week, but he drops the ball. He hasn't played
1: well. He hit his hands. And, you know, both of those are in the pass game to be fair. But yeah, they,
0: they are. But I guess what I'm getting at is, is I really. He's not going to get the benefit of the doubt. The, the run situation. game can't get any worse, it feels like, for Seattle. I mean, I don't know how it can get worse than it did last week when they ran for
1: negative yards. Do you know who the leading rusher for the Seahawks is since week eight of last year? Non-running back? or No, include running back. What, Russell Wilson? Or, sorry, yeah,
0: non-quarterback. non Non-quarterback? non-quarterback? You're going to love this. Okay. Uh, Kristen Michael? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Kristen
1: okay. Michael. So, yeah, the run game's horrible right now. They got to just make some marginal improvement. But that lineup that you just rolled out, if it's a healthy Jokel with mm-hmm. Britt and Dwayne Brown, might be able to get some yards running left, hopefully.
0: Sure. And But let me ask you this now, and I, I'm curious to see if we agree on this or not. I think we are at a time now in Seahawks history <laughs> that the run game needs to complement the pass game, not vice versa. I know that they upgraded the O-line, and you have to run the football to some extent in the NFL. But I do not want to see them try to go back to that well that they have in years past because I don't think it's there anymore. You don't have the talent. You don't have the horses to do it. And your offensive line is still not, you know, all world here. You have a quarterback that is top five in the NFL. Use him.
1: I 110% agree. Okay. I made this exact argument. And, I I mean, you were doing this podcast with me, too, before last year.
0: And I disagreed with you, and I've come around on that, obviously. I, I,
1: I mean... I was wrong. <laughs> the way that 2015 finished, I looked at that and was like, Russell Wilson's ready to be an MVP. It's time to treat him like the MVP of the league. And they did not do that in 2016. <laughs> and it, it was frustrating because they didn't have... The run game <clears throat> beast mode aside, they didn't have the same offensive lineman blocking for beast that they had trying to block the neck. It, w- it was like, I mean, I'm oversimplifying. I understand. And there's various factors involved in injuries and what have you. And at times the run game was still good. <clears throat> Even second half of 2015, there were times the run game was still good, but the pass game was just better. Take a look at the box score from last week, 41 pass attempts, 21 rush attempts total. I'd be happy. 35, 25, But normally in terms of pass to rush, but normally what they've been going for is, you know, 35-25 rush to pass. And I think now it's time for that to be flipped. Absolutely. In terms of game plan, week in, week out. And even running the football to marginal success, as you were saying, it's just enough to get the play action working. Whatever can get the play action working, I'm a fan of whether it's rush attempts or whether it's Apparently he just for rushed rush for or, negative two yards as a types team, of rush. And the play action will work. <laughs> and you know what? You know, we're talking about the Texans giving up, you know, huge yards in the play action games. like, why are they biting? You know, sometimes they're biting, sometimes they're not. But ultimately, I think <clears throat> the offense is just more comfortable executing play action. I was going to say, it almost like... the routes like... look better. The rollouts look better. The
0: protection just looks better. It's almost like there's more of a rhythm, right, to yeah. the play action. Like, he fakes a handoff. He's kind of in motion. It's like a little bootleg yeah. or something like that. And he just looks... Russell just looks like he
1: is just more comfortable in play action. And to be fair, the receivers made a lot of contested catches. A couple were wide open, right? But a lot of contested catches. A lot of jump balls. Which, that was the best game I've seen by a Seahawk receiving core in a long time. I mean, it was 50-50s getting caught right and left. Baldwin, obviously, is very talented at that. Richardson, though, was making some plays. Jimmy Graham. And, and Graham. Two touchdowns. <laughs> and his last one, obviously, was wide open. But, but you're right. You know, I mean, hopefully that ability of the of the receivers. Look at a guy like Tyrod Taylor. You know, he is notorious for not throwing 50-50 balls because he doesn't trust his playmakers to come down with them. You know, Russell Wilson trusts his playmakers to come down with them. So he's willing to take a little bit more chances. And his interceptions are still down. So, Yeah, I I agree. I think this is the time to go 35-25 pass if you can.
0: I just looked at, when I saw the trade, I did not go, oh, man, they really are going to help bolster the run game and they're going to have more success there. That will be a good side benefit, but what I saw was, yes, you're giving one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL more time, and that is
1: going to be very dangerous. And you know what? They use the tight ends a lot to chip and block. I feel like using a Wilson or a Graham to block alongside Dwayne Brown yeah, it's gonna be awesome compared to blocking alongside Reese Diumbo. True, and you might not have to use them as much to do those things. You might not well. have to, right? Like, you might give you more matchup advantages.
0: That's what I was gonna say. Is with with Graham, especially, right? It's it's that's kind of frustrating. It's like, okay, you're paying this guy ten million dollars to block. You know, that's kind of that's how it, the the feeling was a little bit, especially early in the year. And you look at the O line now, and you feel like, hopefully, you know, these guys will be able to, at the very least, hold their own out there. You know?
1: Yeah. Let's pour one out for the Texans because not only do they trade out Dwayne Brown, who his departure was probably expedited a little bit being at odds with Bob McNair and his, uh, you know, ignorant comments. But then they lose the best player in football the last month, Deshaun Watson, to an ACL non-contact injury in practice. Done for the year. I mean, this just rips your heart out if you're a Texans fan, obviously, and it brings the entire mood of football fans all over the league down. I mean, another star player.
0: With such a bright
1: future that was having such an amazing season and put up the best game any quarterbacks had this year.
0: He's probably still rookie of the year. He doesn't season. play another snap this season. <laughs> kind of want to give it to him. I yeah. mean, this is it's a star-studded injury list right now. Odell Beckham, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, JJ Watt, JJ Watt. I mean, the the list feels like it goes on and on, and this is the problem. Everyone talks about football and, and what's the problem with it. You know, that's a big problem with NFL is that there are so many injuries in, Luck. That, in that league. Andrew Luck, yeah, gone. One of the most popular, even if he's not the best quarterback in the league. He's still very popular, right, and brings a lot of attention. You have guys dropping like flies left and right, and this season seems worse than most.
1: Oh, for sure. But, but yeah.
0: seasons, I mean, every year, though, there's some big name that goes down, mm-hmm. you know, and you just don't see that a lot in, in a lot of these other sports for, for entire seasons. You don't see... Like, I mean, this would be – what would be the equivalent in the NBA? Like, LeBron, um, like, Westbrook, and one of the stars on Golden State going down. Like, that's how I feel right now. Like, the best – the most entertaining receiver in the NFL went down. Two, you know, the best rookie in the NFL goes down. And probably, at you know, he's getting into the upper echelon of of quarterbacks. And then Aaron Rodgers going down
1: as well. And that's tough, man. I mean, think of all the games that you would have, like, marginal interest in. And whether or not you'd watch him, Colts Seahawks, for instance, nobody's going to watch that with Jacoby Brissett. Colts Titans, if it's luck against Mariota, people watch. Brissett against Mariota, people will watch. I mean, it makes a big difference. Beckham not playing makes a big difference in people watching a team that normally is you know, easily watchable with the New York Giants. So
0: J.J. Watt, you know, not only is he entertaining on the field, but you look at what he's done for hurricane relief and all these things. I mean, he's a guy that even the non-NFL fan might be interested in, right? Absolutely. So that's, I mean, that's a big problem for the sport is when you, and I'm not laughing because it's funny, it's just when you lose sports power, you know, you lose figureheads like that, interest is going to wane, you know? And it's, you go from Aaron Rodgers to Brett Hundley. You go from Deshaun Watson to what's the guy's it's Tom Savage? Oh yeah. And then you bring in Matt McGloin. Thank God the savior, Matt McGloin to back up Tom, Tom Savage. I mean, it's just brutal. And you, you have to feel for Watson. Who's, you know, this is not his
1: first rodeo with injuries. So absolutely not. Yeah. I brought this up to you on uh Tuesday, I believe going the rest of the way, where will the greatest adversity lie for the Seattle Seahawks? And I meant it in this regard. Everybody's feeling really good about him, You know, This is great. This team has an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. You trade for a premier left tackle. You know, hopefully you can get the run game going again. The defense is a lot better than what they showed. There's injuries in the NFC. That can, you know, Aaron Rodgers being out helps. Minnesota doesn't have their two top two quarterbacks. I know. It's crazy. You know, um, look, the South doesn't have a great team. The Falcons have come back. The Saints are pretty good. But the Eagles are are the class in the NFC right now, and you get to have them at home, you know, December 3rd on Sunday Night You control night your own destiny right now. Yeah. And so m- my question, though, was, look, they're not going undefeated the rest of the way, right? <laughs> so what kind of adversity do you anticipate coming to the Seahawks team the rest of the way? And, I mean, let's say injuries aside because— okay. Like, that always happens, right? It's like, oh, and Earl it's, Thomas goes It's happening down, right, right now. Earl Thomas. Yeah. You know,
0: I mean, I think that's some adversity. You're, I think you're concerned, right, a little bit about him not playing this weekend.
1: You are. And I think that's why John Schneider signed Bradley McDougal to a three-year deal. Yeah. This isn't Kelsey McRae. This isn't Steven Terrell. You know, no, <laughs> no, no, no shots. Those are guys both professional football players. They are. But we saw— But there the, were some bad moments involving both of those the, gentlemen. The difference between E.T. and those guys is significant. At least McDougal has been a starting safety in the league for a while. Yeah. And now he's a strong depth piece. Deshaun Shedd might be coming back soon, too, right, to to help bolster yeah, that. Yeah, and you get and Lane you, back. <laughs> you still
0: have Lane. How awkward is that in practice,
1: by the way? It's like, oh, hey, bro. <laughs> I think people—yeah, I mean, it might be awkward. <laughs> I, I think for him, it's it's a challenging moment for him, I'm sure. I mean, you've been traded, now you yeah. come back, you come— like. How like, do you handle that? He had you know, like the it, whole speech, like a, the whole Twitter goodbye. Yeah, and all this that. is a huge moment in this guy's life. To be honest, I mean, yeah, it's. I'm just thinking about the human element of that, yeah. like what that would be. You have to show up every day, like it's really challenging. Yeah, to go back like, in there with a positive attitude, and get healthy, and then try to play well for the team that traded you.
0: That's weird because, and I agree because everyone says, "Oh, it's just a business." He understands that. Okay, like if a company lays you off, are you just cool with that company because you go, "Oh, it's a business decision"? Like, no. Like you're still bitter about it, like, like you're not gonna go like you know go crazy or something, but like yeah, you're still gonna have bad feelings towards that company, right? Yeah. this is the same situation, to a certain extent. Now he didn't get laid off, but he can't feel good about his future with the team after they tried to trade him, you know, and then he failed his physical, you know. So what does that mean for him, you know, and his mental kind of fortitude going forward, and how much does the team plan? It's just kind of a weird dynamic and something certainly to keep an eye on. And it's not about him being unprofessional, it's like you said the human element. Like any one of us would feel the same way. You know, going back, I'm not saying he's going to intentionally play bad or try to tank or anything like that, but I could see how it could be difficult to get back involved with a team that literally was like,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately really like the the tape doesn't lie. The guy's still playing for a job somewhere in the league. You know. Yeah. So like you can't it's not like you can not try. Of course, of he course. Gotta play. Of so, course, yeah.
0: Um but from a university standpoint, like you said, um I think it's gonna come in December, you know. And that's scary because that's right before the playoffs, obviously. But I also think about twenty thirteen, in going into the postseason, they lost to the Cardinals that year, remember? Like uh, the week before Christmas. They lost to the Cardinals in a game that was like super bizarre. At home, right? And Arizona. I don't even know if Palmer was playing in that game. Late in that game. It was Stanton. Yeah. And he he led the comeback. Like he, it was just crazy. It was like a really strange game. And you were kind of like, what the heck, man? Like, this is supposed to be the time of year you're peaking and you lose to a backup quarterback.
1: We've lost at home. in December at home to the Cardinals twice now. <laughs> That's tough. But Keep you, winning down there. but <laughs> can't, can't win in Seattle. Can't beat them in Seattle.
0: But you look at their schedule in December and man, you know we've talked about it but
1: yeah, here it is. Uh, Eagles 7 and 1 at the Jaguars, currently 4 and 3 with a great defense. Versus the Rams, currently 5 and 2. At the Cowboys, currently I think they're 4 in 3 now. Yeah, they're 4 and 3 pending the suspension of Zeke, which interesting. Let's see this. Zeke plays this week. He's going to play. He got it stayed again this morning. Classic. But if it gets... But if it starts next week, one, (laughs) two, three, four, five, six, his first game back would be the Seahawks game. So we need this stayed one more (laughs) week to get Zeke out of
0: here. Well, and then what's the game right before December? Monday Night Football, right? So
1: No, nah, it's uh, at the Niners. Oh, thanks, at the Niners. Thanksgiving okay, weekend. Okay. So here's that, But here's the next thing. Yeah, versus Washington. And then short week, keep in mind, Thursday yep. at the Cardinals this coming week. Which you should, I mean, I think you would pencil in as a win right now. Yeah. Especially given the, I mean, you no
0: know David Johnson
1: No, either. Palmer, I mean, David, you should take care of business. Yeah. And then extra time to prepare for the Atlanta Falcons, November 20th, Monday Night Football.
0: But all that being said, you know, you look at adversity. I think in December, you're almost happy if they go 500.
1: Two and two. <clears throat> okay. What about the fact that the Seahawks play their best football in December? Sure. And one of these teams is going to regress, right? Okay. So, what's the adversity you're looking at? I. <laughs> <laughs> On paper, right now. I mean, it's, I, I want to say the Philly game so bad. And I really. I, Did they lose that game? Yeah. That could be the game they lose in prime time at home. And then maybe they write the ship and then run the table the rest of the way. Or, you know, maybe it's that Cowboy game Christmas Eve, you know? And you go and you lose. Maybe the Eagles win. <clears throat> it feels like Seattle and Philly. And maybe I'm buying in a little too much to the anecdotal side. It feels like Seattle and Philly are on collision course for the one seat. It looks that way. And Minnesota fans are yelling at me right now because they just keep finding ways to win. Two losses for them. Yeah, but you're not a Minnesota believer either. I, that defense is their nasty. Defense is so good. But and Keenum's at some played point, well. Don't you have
0: to score? They, they. Do you trust Case Keenum? Like not in trust... the playoffs. Yeah. Hell no. I mean that's. But th- do
1: I trust them enough to get it, to win the North and maybe get a bye? Yeah, maybe. You know what? If they end up,
0: at, if Seattle has to go to Minnesota in the playoffs, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I, I mean, I don't obviously. I'd rather have
1: Minnesota come to Seattle.
0: Of course, always. But Minnesota as it as a whole doesn't scare me. Sorry, they just don't. Defense is good. Maybe I'm buying into this Seahawks thing. You too should much watch here. a
1: Minnesota game this year. I've seen a few. Have you? Their defense is really good. They're they're nasty. Their defense is really good. <laughs> Do you think that Sunday night game against Philly determines one seed? It's so hard because it's
0: so early. And
1: uh, aren't only the Eagles going to regress to the mean eventually? I mean, that's that's the idea, right? But their d, de- I I buy into Philly's defense so much. Jim Schwartz is Philly off this week? Is this their bye week? Yes, I believe so. so. Because I'm just
0: curious too. Like, is there bye week leading into that damn Seahawks game? Like, so many teams are. No, sorry, they're
1: hosting the Broncos and then on a bye. Okay,
0: yeah. So hosting the Broncos probably a win. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on the way they're playing, and, and you look at the way Denver's playing right now. I mean, Simeon got benched, right? Didn't he for Osweiler? I mean, are you
1: kidding me? I it happened.
0: What what is phil What is Philly schedule uh, the rest of the way leading
1: into Seattle? Yeah. Versus the Broncos. Win. By week win <laughs> in Dallas Sunday night on the nineteenth. Let's say that's a loss. Let's be optimistic. Versus the Chicago Bears win.
0: So they will be in theory nine and two.
1: In theory nine and two. At
0: worst, probably would that, would that be fair to say that at worst there's one loss in those three games? Probably. I agree. Yeah. So, and that Dallas game by the way coming off your bye, so
1: they could very well be three and zero. Oh and it could scenario. be without Zeke. Yeah. So, so nine and two at the worst. We'll nine say. and two at worst. Nine and two at worst. Whereas Seattle has to win out to get to nine and two b- before the Philly game. Washington, Arizona, Falcons, Niners. Yeah, and I could I could see them this dropping
0: a, a game there.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, but if you're at least within a game of Philly, then you get the tiebreak by beating them. You know. Yeah, I mean, if Seattle, I mean, we're looking at a,
0: a combined maximum probably four losses between those two teams. Yeah.
1: Going in. All right. We got to wrap up this podcast. Let's go ahead and make our picks. And I know. Preview. It's just crazy thinking Seahawks about all the scenarios. Continue. It's exciting, right? Yeah. It's, spot- it's, it's
0: exciting to, to know that you are a fan of a team yeah. that is that is a legitimate Super Bowl contender right
1: now. Uh, Ravens at Titans. Titans favored by three and a half at home.
0: Give me Tennessee. Mariota's finally getting healthy.
1: Give me the Titans. Yeah, I'll go with the Titans The Ravens as well.
0: are a good defense, though.
1: They are, Um, you know. Thursday night they ran all over Miami. Flacco got the big hit. We'll see how he responds. Bucks at Saints. Saints a seven point favorite to Tampa. I'll take New Orleans. I think they're legit. Yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm starting to buy into the hype. Uh, Rams and Giants in New York. Rams three and a half point road favorite at the Giants. Give me the Rams coming off a bye. I'll take the Rams. Broncos Eagles in Philly. Osweiler against Wentz. I can't. Oh, how's this not in prime time? I'll take a. Yeah. Uh, Broccoli's going to throw a few picks. Broccoli by Dram. I'll take the Eagles. There would be some weird game, though, where they, like, somehow... It's at least close. Yep. You know? That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> Give me the Eagles, though. Uh, good matchup, at least with the Broncos' secondary against Wentz. That'll be good. Yeah. Falcons, Panthers, and Carolina. Falcons, a one-and-a-half point road favorite at the Panthers. Ooh, tough game for both teams. I'll take Carolina to win out. you take
0: Carolina? I think yeah. I'm going to take Atlanta in this game.
1: Bengals, Jaguars, and Jacksonville. Jacksonville favored by five-and-a-half. Boy. Five and a half is the point spread. That might also be a good over-under for how many sacks the Jags will get on Cincy.
0: That defensive line is I picked really up good. Jacksonville's defense in fantasy this week. You're going to get some points, I think. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I think uh, we both, I'm assuming, take the Jags in that. Yeah,
1: crazy. Both taking the Jags. Texans, touchdown favorite with the Colts. Uh, Neither? Tie. They ended a tie. <laughs> uh, give me the Colts. I'll go Texans, I guess.
0: No, I'll go Colts. Tom Savage
1: versus Jacoby Brissett. I'll go Colts. Imagine if that was Deshaun Watson versus Andrew Luck. Yeah, that's... Ugh. Arizona is a two-and-a-half point favorite at the Niners. This has got to be the Niners win, right? I almost picked up their defense, by the way. <laughs> not bad, dude. Like, they get after you. I think the Niners win this game. I'm going Niners. Is Jimmy
0: G going to play? He's not playing this week,
1: right? I really don't think Jimmy G is. He'll, gonna he'll play. be action. Sam Hans' offense is a little too sophisticated for a guy just to walk right in and
0: learn it. In yeah, week. in like three days yeah. or however many. Yeah. yeah.
1: <clears throat> I'll take the Niners, though, to win. I do too. I think they're going to win. Bethard. Chiefs, Cowboys in Dallas. Zeke's going to play. Good game, Chiefs, Cowboys. In Dallas right now, what are they? 500? 4 and 3. Got the big win at Washington last week. Got the ground game going. Playing their best ball of the season so far. Chiefs, bounced back, got that win after losing two in a row.
0: And it's in Dallas, which means it's like a road game for Dallas. Dallas,
1: two and a half point favorite. This is going to be a good football game. Yeah. Good football game. Give me the Chiefs. This is going to be a good game, though. Yeah, I'm surprised you're picking the Chiefs. You like Dak a lot. I do. I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. And the Chiefs don't have a good secondary, especially without Eric Berry. Yeah,
0: well, they'll dink and duck their way to a couple touchdowns.
1: Oh, the offense Alex will. Smith. Yeah, they all, no, Alex Smith is playing damn good. He is. Like, MVP good. Go
0: U's. Um. G- yeah, g- give me the Chiefs. I think they're going to win. All right. Taking
1: Dallas? I'll, I'll go Dallas with a little, I don't of love course. it. I don't love it. Raiders-Dolphins on Sunday Night Football? God dang, what are you doing to me, NBC? What are you doing to me? Raiders-Dolphins on Sunday Night Football? Who's playing quarterback for Miami right now? I don't know. Is it Matt Moore? I think I think it's I think is it's. Matt Moore. I, I mean I don't Matt even. Matt Moore played so bad on that Thursday night game. It was tough. <laughs>
0: I mean it doesn't really matter because they're gonna lose.
1: Jay Cutler practiced fully on Wednesday. Oh okay. Smoking Jay. Smoking Jay is back. Well, give me the Raiders.
0: <laughs> they need to win too. By the way, There's Oakland three is three and
1: five right now. Oakland is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They need to win this game. The Dolphins are the
1: worst four and three team I've ever seen. Noah
0: Jai. Oakland essentially has to win out. Well, I mean, maybe one loss. You they need to get, get hot. nine and seven. <laughs> they need to get hot, in a hurry, because <laughs> the Chargers are playing better. Yeah, I'll Man. take
1: uh, I'll take Miami. I guess I'll take Miami. Horrible pick. It's whatever. A terrible game. I will not be watching that. Hopefully. No, I will not. But that's okay. Timbers play. That's true. Four thirty. I'll be watching that. Instead. Leg two. Leg two. <laughs> Lions Packers and Green Bay <laughs> Monday and the night. The Packers won. So there you go. I know, oh, dude. Timbers, Sounders, Western oh, Conference Final. It'd be great. Lions, Packers, in Green Bay. Lions, two and a half point road favorite. Uh, Sure, give me the Lions. How did Detroit not beat Pittsburgh last week? Unbelievable. In the red zone, every drive. Shouldn't Detroit Pittsburgh be better today. than they are? Like,
0: given well, yeah. what's going on in the division?
1: Yeah, they're three and four right now. They should have beat the, the Steelers. I'm just a little surprised.
0: But give me, I think they get to 500 here with a win.
1: All right. I'll take the Packers. I think uh, Hundley's going to come up nice. They're coming off a bye. Two weeks with Hundley. I'll take uh, Green Bizzle. Takes us to uh, Seahawks and Redskins. Sunday afternoon, 105 kick on Fox. Seattle, a seven and a half point favorite. The way Russell Wilson's playing is uh, pretty encouraging right now. Seattle is 11th in DVOA. Where's Washington at? 14th. And DVOA, so not too total. Far away. This is total DVOA. Total DVOA. Okay. W- weighted DVOA, which more emphasis on what have you done for me lately? Seahawks tenth, Redskins sixteenth. Offensive DVOA: Seattle still seventeenth, Washington twelfth. Defensive DVOA: Seattle twelfth, Washington thirteenth.
0: Yeah, Seattle's playing better though offensively now, obviously, and you, you can tell by the weighted DVOA <laughs> that Seattle's moving in the right direction. Um, I'll go first. Go ahead. Here's what you keep an eye on. How to break it down. I don't think Earl Thomas is going to play. I know that they're they're kind of, you know, waffling a little bit, right? They're, they're being a little bit coy about whether or not he's going to play. If he is feeling any pain at all, I don't know why you would risk it. I, I just wouldn't – I do not understand why you would ever risk him having a significant injury. I think you sit him out this week and potentially even the Thursday night game, to be honest, because it's such a short week that he misses two games um if if it means his health for the rest of the season so my guess will be earl thomas doesn't play so certainly something to keep an eye on right is um you know kirk cousins for as much as i'm not a fan of mr you like that he'll get you deep if you're not careful um so something to keep an eye on and then seattle if you're inside the 5 can you please get in the gdn zone you know that uh, yeah
1: of, if it I, wasn't for the last 10 minutes of the game last week that would be our talking point Red zone offense was brutal. Brutal. I mean, you were almost hoping for an Effetti
0: penalty to put them back on the fifteen to give them more space. So I think that's that's the one thing. For as well as the offense has been playing inside the ten, has not been great at all. It's it it feels like Bevel doesn't know how to give guys room to operate or something. Um, And I'm not even I don't even want to blame Bevel, but I just don't even know. You know, they just cannot seem to find Pay Dirt in the end zone. So Seattle needs to take care of business because they're going to have plenty of opportunities, I have a feeling, inside the red zone. And this is your time. they got to figure it out.
1: Washington in the secondary. Josh Norman is back in playing. Rashad Breland also having a nice year. They're one of the better secondaries against outside receivers. They give up a lot in the slot. Big game for Doug Baldwin this game. 100 yards and a touchdown. Calling it. Um, really, I'm just going to watch Dwayne Brown all game. It's going to be great. I expect the Redskins to blitz and and try to test the Seattle offensive line in that regard. And Russell's going to have to make some plays. Eager to see how they start the football game. Are they going to start flat after a big emotional win? Or are they going to start with an edge and get some first quarter points? So score early, I think, will be important. Kirk Cousins, to your point, one of the top uh, passers in football based on passer rating and yardage this year. But... He is also the number one passer in football right now with yards after the catch. So he's not exactly burning people as, as much going deep as he has been in years past, but his receivers are, take, are making big plays with the ball in their hands. He, he's number one in that category in, in receivers yards after the catch. So that's something interesting to think about. Chris Thompson has been one of the big reasons why out of the backfield, a huge receiving threat, three touchdowns this year uh, receiving for Chris Thompson. Yeah. But Seahawks are the best at limiting receiving running backs. They're the best linebacking group in football in that regard. We don't. Seahawks susceptible to the tight end. Jordan Reed not playing, right? Uh Vernon Davis is. So we get to face uh, Vernon again. Seattle together. doesn't know him at all. So at I don't all. know how they're gonna game plan for him. I think Cam could hit Vernon maybe. No, I'm just kidding. In, Man. In, in a legal way. Uh Cam which, has lit him up a few times. Boy. Legal ones too that were called penalties, but whatever. Um, and
0: apparently hitting someone in the chest is now a penalty.
1: Yeah. Ultimately, Seahawks is a 7.5-point favorite. feel like they should win, I feel like they should cover. I will say Seattle 34, Washington 23.
0: That's a solid number. I was going to go 31-24. So I don't think – I think it's going to be not as – I just completely lost my train of thought.
1: Thirty-one twenty-four. Thirty-one twenty-four.
0: I think it's going to be a, a – it's not going to be one of those no-brainers inside two minutes. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be enough that you're going to be kind of sitting there biting your nails, a little bit nervous. But I do think Seattle, they're just better right now. The way they're playing, they're just better. Injuries to Washington has been a struggle for them. And Seattle's at home. You have a team traveling almost as, literally as far as you can across the country to get there. Yeah, give me the Seahawks at home to
1: uh, improve to 6-2 and two on the season. Need two turnovers, need 50 yards out of the running backs. That's it. 50 yards. Can I get 50 yards? Well, it'd be a significant
0: improvement from last week. That's for sure. 50 yards, by the way, is about what they're averaging this season.
1: Yeah, running backs. I'm just compared to last week. Need to get back on track. 50 yards. All right, he's Brian get back Perkins. Back on track with 15 whopping, <laughs> 50 whopping rushing yards. Uh, bars low. That's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. We'll recap it Monday right here on the Gameplay Podcast, 1029thegame.com.